Hey now, we are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. With instant analysis of WWE Elimination Chamber 2022. That's right, getting over is back once again, and we are here just minutes after WWE Elimination Chamber went off the air to break down everything that happened on the final premium live event ahead of WrestleMania 38. The road is winding down. We're about six weeks away from WWE's biggest show of the year, and Silver King, Adam Silverstein, and Vintage Chris Benini are here to, like I said, break down everything that happened on this card. Two chamber matches, a bunch of titles on the line. We're going to talk about it all as quick as we can, instant analysis style for you coming up right now. A quick reminder before we get into the show, the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast now and forever. So please, folks, stop messing around. Go back to being marks for the Silver King for Vintage. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating for the show on Apple. Leave a review. Let people know how much you love getting over. Tell them why they should subscribe during the busiest time of the year, at least for WWE. I would also be remiss if I did not remind you to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Not only do we tweet as soon as shows go live, we tweet live during all the major television programs and pay-per-views. We also include pre- and post-show polls, very special live shows as we did Saturday morning on Twitter spaces that are completely free. There's every reason to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Now, for any potential new listeners who have never heard us before, these instant analysis episodes, they operate a little bit differently than others. Normally, we're taping them at night, which gives us a really good excuse to pop a cold one, uh, drink a beer, uh, while we go ahead and discuss the show. Now, it's the afternoon here on the East Coast in the United States, but I'm going to keep up with that tradition, mostly because the last time I did this, I wasn't able to drink because, yes, I had COVID-19. So, allow the Silver King to pop open a cold one. Shout out Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's Bees Squeeze from Copper Point Brewing here in uh, Boynton Beach, Florida. Very, very good beer, light and sweet. Perfect for the afternoon. Chris, uh, welcome to the show, first of all. And do you have anything over there to pop open and uh, indulge? Yes, I've got uh, an oldie but a goodie, the the Purple Haze uh, from Abita. I actually forgot until the last second because, like you said, it's normally nighttime. It's 2 o'clock, two o'clock where I am in the afternoon. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, I got to grab a beer for the show. I forgot about it. So I, I grabbed what I had in the fridge and uh, still got some Purple Haze left over. Very good. Well, we are... Uh, both in a good spot here ahead of this show. And the way we're going to break this down again for any first time listeners, those who have been listening to us for years now, you know how this works. We're going to break down the entire card. We're going to start with our pre-show expectation grades, share what yours was from the Twitter poll. We're going to go through the entire card from the biggest matches on the show, the most important things that happened all the way down to the low end of the card. I give you some match grades and some ratings as well. And then at the very end, we're going to recap WWE Elimination Chamber and give you our post-show grades. So Chris, let's get into it with that pre-show expectation grade. Now, you and I, on the Ultimate Preview, we were both aligned. We said B. We, we expected this to be a good show, not a great show. We thought the booking could overcome some of the matches that lacked our interest, right? The getting overheads, all of you, our listeners and our followers on Twitter, this is the breakdown of your votes for your pre-show grades. 2% of you came in with an A, 65% with a B, 31% as a C, and 2% D to F, so the A's and D's and F's, 
uh, wipe out. Chris, I'd call this anywhere between a B minus and a C plus. But since the vast majority, two thirds were in B, I would say that our listeners believe that this would be a B minus show, Elimination Chamber. Yeah, that probably sounds about right. It, it, it's a weird mix of it was a weird mix of decent card, kind of concerned about the booking and the whole Saudi blood money in the sand thing on top of that. Exactly. So let's get to we'll start with the men's major storyline. Then we'll go to the main women's storyline from the show. Uh, we'll mix those up first and then we'll break down everything else that happened. So the Universal Championship between Roman Reigns and Goldberg, that actually opened Elimination Chamber. And we did get kind of a go home moment on SmackDown at first. By the way, I will break down and include anything that happened on SmackDown that may pertain to some of this and anything that happened was short. It was not a good addition of SmackDown. But Reigns came out for the main event of that show uh, for the face to face. Paul Heyman compared him to Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky and Tom Brady. Goldberg looked decent on his entrance. It's funny that he gets such a muted response from American fans these days. It's the only thing I could think about that no one was chanting for him. It was just kind of weak. Uh, and that's because of pure overuse. He's gotten too many title opportunities and WWE brings him back way too frequently. Uh, Goldberg grabbed a mic, threw it down. Then he got some real chance. He stared Reigns down, said one line, and that was it. It was hardly a way to sell the match. And it felt to me like a complete waste of time, like that whole SmackDown episode was. In fact, the video package ahead of this match on Elimination Chamber, did a better job selling the match than anything that happened in the lead up to it. Yeah, the the, the video package before the match on, uh, what day, Saturday, was, uh, it was good. Again, WWE's video team is undefeated. I didn't care about this match at all. None of us really did. We knew it was going to happen. But they give us a, a good video preview right beforehand to kind of get you amped up beforehand. So at Elimination Chamber, like I said, this opened the main card. Reigns entered first and told the crowd to acknowledge him. There were loud Goldberg chants, and he overpowered Reigns to start the match. He had a spear, but Reigns countered a jackhammer attempt with a uranagi for a near fall. Reigns had a Superman punch that Goldberg took terribly. Uh, Goldberg countered Reigns' spear with a spear of his own. That was a cool spot. Goldberg couldn't get Reigns up again for the jackhammer. Reigns countered that immediately with a guillotine choke. Goldberg tried to escape four different times, but Reigns cinched it in, and he won via knockout, just like he did against uh, Seth Rollins, although I guess that one was technically a disqualification. Uh, my best review of this is to say it was as good as it possibly could have been, right? Like Goldberg looked like a threat in, on occasion, and he tested Reigns just enough in the match, but Reigns came through every time it mattered, and it was never really close him losing the title. Even though he got speared a couple times, it never seemed like he was actually in danger. I don't even think there was a false finish. And Reigns ultimately won completely clean, which is what you'd want him to do over Goldberg. My lone issue is that this was the first time Goldberg lost via knockout or submission. We're not counting the referee stoppage in the Lashley match. Uh, via knockout or submission since WCW Fall Brawl in 2000. So <laughs> nearly 22 years ago. And that's a great move if commentary had said, Hey, not only did Roman Reigns beat the great Goldberg, he submitted or knocked him out for the first time in 22 years. It's a great, easy, free additional way to build Roman Reigns. But they didn't even think to go back and try to do that. That's it's stuff like that that really pisses me off with WWE. So, you know, if an average version of this match, right, would have been 2.5 stars in a C because I thought it was successful and the best job they could have done. I'll give it 2.75 stars and a C plus. I'll give it a little extra credit because it was not bad at all, but it also wasn't particularly good either. 
Yeah, it was fine. As always, our biggest issue is with the match happening in the first place. Again, we, we don't need it. And the last couple of Goldberg matches where they just straight up do a wrestling match and not the that nonsense we got for a few years where it was a spear, spear, matches over that does nothing. Like, our expectations got so low because of that that when they just do a normal match that the champ wins clean, it's five minutes, whatever it was, that then we're like, oh, okay. So essentially, yeah, it was fine. I didn't really care. Six minutes on the on the on the dot was the time of the match. The the entrances I think were longer. It was very very close if you combine them because I looked. At, I didn't have a stopwatch, but I just looked at the clock. It was about six minutes, I think, for for entrances. Yeah, you're right. You you, you get the 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 choke them out would have been would have been a great way to make that a bigger deal. But they never looked these things up. In the end, we got what we expected. We move on. We'll never think about this again. We did have that conversation in the um, in the live pre-show. What was going to be longer, the entrances? Uh, well, you said Reigns' entrance versus the match. I said the match will be longer, which obviously it was. And then we yeah. said, then I came back and I said, what about Reigns' entrance plus Goldberg's entrance? And ironically enough, dude, um, I did the timing from the start of Reigns' entrance to the end of Goldberg's entrance when his music turned off. It was six minutes. The match lasted six minutes. The first 50 seconds of the match was them just staring at each other. So you yeah. can parse that however you want, but it was basically <laughs> equal. The entrances mm-hmm. in the match were basically equally timed. There you go. There you go. And look, as I've said with Goldberg for years, I'll, I'll end on this and we'll move on. Enough with the damn title matches at this point. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's now lost three straight championship matches as a challenger, none of which he's earned those opportunities. He just kind of come in and said, I'm next, right? Um, and three of his last four matches in totality have been for the title. It's enough at this point. If you want to keep bringing Goldberg back and it's for blood money in the sand or SummerSlam or a special event, I'm fine if you want to bring Goldberg back. It's okay. But you do not need to have this guy challenge for the title. His best WWE match since the Brock Lesnar match at WrestleMania, which was WrestleMania 33, five years ago, his best match since then was the match against Goldberg at Crown Jewel, I mean, against Bobby Lashley, I'm sorry, at Crown Jewel, that was not for a title. Yeah. That's what we want more of, not stuff it, like this. I think I think the reason they put him in these matches, and, and it ties into the, the men's chamber match, which, which we'll get into, is that they just don't want people losing to the champ. They just, they don't want people losing in certain spots. So, hey, we'll have... Bobby Lashley get knocked out. Hey, we'll have Goldberg. So that way none of nobody else gets hurt by losing to Roman Reigns. When instead, if you do something like Seth versus Roman and they have a great match, Seth is elevated even in a loss. That's what they just they don't do enough of in these bit in these certain spots. They try to say, what's a way we can just keep moving along without giving a loss to anybody? It's frustrating. Yeah, I I think it's fair to say that Seth Rollins in the match with Roman Reigns, we didn't like how it finished. And, you know, we had problems with it, whatever. But it was a great match. Mm-hmm. And Rollins was elevated coming out of that. Like, he he came out and he lost and he didn't get pinned. And you're like, oh, okay. You know, there's a chance that Rollins maybe gets added to the WrestleMania match. Or or maybe they have something else planned for him. Maybe he wins the WWE Championship. Now, ultimately, we'll talk about what happened. But that's the way to do it. And yes, if you had Rollins against Goldberg in a similar situation. Or Riddle against Goldberg, which is a match, I think, Everyone wants no one more than Riddle, of course, and Goldberg probably doesn't. Um, there's so many people that Goldberg can help put over. 
you don't need Goldberg to put over Reigns. He's already over. He's already the number one guy in the company, some would say, in all of professional wrestling. So that's that's the issue here. But look, it, it was an in-between title match. It was on Elimination Chamber, not Mania. So there is some acceptability to it. I am, I'm willing to accept that it happened. Let's move on to what was the main event of the show, staying in the men's world title picture. The WWE Championship match, Bobby Lashley defending against Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins, Austin Theory, AJ Styles, and Riddle inside Elimination Chamber. There was no camel for Riddle on his entrance. Theory took selfies with everyone in their pods. Lesnar got the hottest response on the whole show for his entrance. He came out last, even though he was in a pod. Uh, and he stared down Lashley and Styles as he walked around the ring post to go to his pod. But it was notable to me that when he got to Riddle, he turned his back on him in disrespect. I thought that was done purposeful. I'm wondering if you noticed that. Yeah, it it could be. And I'll, I'll say my first thought when I saw it was, oh, man, we're going to get Brock and Riddle face to face at some point. Most likely, I can't wait until that happens. I'm excited to see what they do. Well, I, I was talking about I was talking about less in kayfabe and more um, real life. Riddle's saying no, so right. many times he wants to retire Brock Lesnar. Right, but it, it, it's almost like a, it's almost like a mix of the two, honestly. Like, like that's why I was just I, I was curious what the interaction was beforehand, and then what it could be during during the match if there were, if there could be anything, and and we'll get to that. We will. Okay, so uh, Rollins and Theory started the match. No mention from commentary again. Simple things here that they were stable mates before that they worked together. Just Rollins and Theory fighting. Rollins powerbombed Theory into Lashley's pod which broke the plexiglass and injured Lashley. The door opened with trainers entering. And when the door opened, Chris, I got excited because I was like, okay, the door is open. Shit can now go down, right? The whole bloodline can run in or Mm -hmm. a million different things can happen. The trainers enter. Eventually, Adam Pierce comes in as well. They eventually help Lashley out of the chamber. They close the door. Riddle was third in. His pod opened. He ate an insane inverted superplex from Rollins for a near fall. Styles was fourth. He hit Rollins with a torture rack into a powerbomb. Theory stopped the double superplex and hit some double uh, one-arm powerbombs on Rollins and Styles. And then Riddle caught him with the floating bro for a near fall. So he couldn't beat Theory with one of his two finishers. Uh, Riddle then hit a double draping DDT on Styles and Rollins. He set up for the RKO, but got distracted by the pods opening, the sound. The thing fell on Lashley, who wasn't there. And I thought that was kind of interesting. They did it that way. You know, they let them wrestle a little bit more. Lesnar gets pissed. Instead, Lesnar gets angry, kicks the pod door uh, out, and enters the match. So he immediately, as soon as he gets in the ring, hits Rollins with an F5 and pins him. And I'm like, holy shit. Uh, Michael Cole then says Lashley's been pulled from the match because he's in concussion protocol, which would guarantee a new champion with four men left. Lesnar quickly F5'd and eliminated Riddle. Then he hit Styles with a couple German suplexes and an F5. Theory ran away from Lesnar as Brock pulled off his gloves. Theory closed the door of a pod, but Brock just kicked it down. And then he superplexed him, or sorry, suplexed him on the platform. Theory then caught Lesnar with a low blow to get away. He had a rolling dropkick plus a DDT for a 1.5 count. Theory then climbed the chamber wall and actually got his body through some of the chains on top. But Lesnar yeah. climbed up after him, grabbed him. They stood atop a pod. Lesnar slammed his head into the plexiglass a bunch of times and then hit an avalanche F5 on Theory off the top of a pod onto the hard platform at the side of the ring below. Uh, He rolled him into the ring, pinned him, 
one, two, three to become WWE champion. And then he did a fake selfie with Theory after the match, which I did think was a kind of funny moment. So, you know, there's two ways to obviously talk about it. There's the match. There's the booking. Let's start with the match. I'll let you get in. Then we'll talk about the booking. Yeah. The match was basically worthless. We barely got any wrestling. And it was far more about storyline than it was really putting on a good main event. Admittedly, the finish was fun. But that's the fun type of thing you do if you have a chamber match on Raw or something like that. You know, that to me was not a pay-per-view finish. The Austin Theory being the last guy in the chamber match for the WWE Championship just didn't work for me. But we also got two really short chamber matches on the same show. I need to look at the time, but the women's was the shortest of all time. The men's was probably bottom three or four chamber matches of all time in terms of length. I don't know about all time. Women's chamber match, 1545. Men's chamber match, 1510. Okay. Oh, really? So... Okay, so the men's match was the shortest of all time and the women's match was the second shortest of all time on the same show. We've had chamber matches go in the 40s, 35s, and now we have two that are 15 minutes each. That tells you what you kind of need to know about the way this show was booked or how WWE is booking its wrestling these days in 2022. Mm -hmm. So uh, the women's one was way better. Uh, It was more entertaining, more happened less predictable, even though we knew Bianca Belair was going to win and we didn't know exactly how it was going to happen. Chris, I predicted exactly how this was going to happen. Not And, and that wasn't some like Svengali prediction. It was obvious. We knew Lesnar was going to come in and crush everyone. We hoped he wouldn't, but we knew he would. So I don't know. I'm going to go with like 2.75 stars and a C plus for this also with bonus points because it was entertaining in parts, but it just wasn't good enough for the main event of the final pay-per-view before WrestleMania. Yeah, I was going to give pretty much the same grade when when brock is entering and he walks by all the guys i was like it only really hit me there that man we've got a lot of really interesting possible like just interactions and matchups we can have in this match i'm actually really looking forward to it i was terrified that brock was going to come in third or first out of the pod demolish everybody and just kind of wait and then boom, 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 and it's over. So when Riddle came out there and I was like, okay, well, we're going to get some wrestling here for a bit. And we did, but none of it was all that memorable. There weren't any big spots beforehand. It was all just saving time for Brock to come in and wreck shop. And as soon as, as, soon as they said Bobby was out, I was like, oh boy. And then when Brock comes in and immediately pins Rollins, I was like, yep, there we go. We're done. And credit to them to at least giving some time for Austin Theory to like run around a bit, hit a low blow, do a thing. So he got something in on him. But as soon as Brock came in, this thing was it was done. It's not interesting. And it just generally was completely forgettable uh, as, as a chamber match. It was, it was, other than, I guess, throwing Theory off at the end, at the, at the very end, when we already knew kind of the match was in hand, there's nothing I'm going to really remember from this match. No, that that spot was great. And I thought, you know, you know, early Rollins powerbomb into the plexiglass. We've seen the plexiglass break before, but it was kind of a cool moment. And the inverted superplex was also super cool that Rollins did. So the match did have a couple moments, but it was nothing that when when you're in a match like this, all you're doing is waiting for Brock Lesnar. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem with having Lesnar in a match unnecessarily that he didn't need to be in anyway. But when you have him in a match like this, literally all you're doing is waiting for his door to open, waiting for him to wreck everyone and win. And 
I mean, the fact that he F5'd Rollins and pinned him that quickly, that was the most offensive thing to me. Now, yeah. maybe they did it that way because they were like, hey, if we leave Rollins for last and they actually wrestle each other and Lesnar wins, then Rollins has no recourse. He never has an ability to say, you know, you got lucky or whatever, because they actually would have wrestled at that point. So maybe they beat him so quickly like that because he got caught out of nowhere and I, they, they, there, therefore there, he can excuse it and argue his way around it. That's the I only reason I, I can think of that. There is no way anybody, honestly, maybe other than theory, that any of those other guys look anything but chumps for getting for getting knocked out so quickly by Brock. It's, it will, I guess if we're kind of sliding into the booking of this match. Yeah, like, yeah, go ahead. Go for it. It's, it's terrible. Everybody <laughs> looks worse coming out of this, except for, I guess, kind of theory. And then, and then Brock, who doesn't need anything. They, they, they've, they've done, they've emphasized so much to keep Rowan and Brock so far above everybody else that you don't feel like anybody else matters. We go, we go from a a, a Rollins Roman match where we come out of it thinking, Hey, Rollins is interesting. There's a reason to kind of pay attention to him to this. Then it's like, well, None of this really matters. You're, you're telling us that Seth Rollins doesn't matter because because Brock can get him out of the match in three seconds. And they they time and time again over years, this is what the stuff this is the stuff they do with Brock, the Kofi match, all these all these situations where they just at, at the expense of so many other guys when they don't need to do it, they just have Brock squash guys. It, like again. There was, imagine if we got two to three minutes of Riddle and Brock just going at Of course, that's all, I, that's all I really wanted from I, this match. Like, I thought that'd be awesome, yeah. Think about how many guys could have gotten something from this. And in theory, kind of did at the end. But, they, but team, the, they team up against Brock. They hit him with some finishers. He still kicks yeah. out. So he's still, stup- he's still super strong, right? But they all yes. get offense in and, and they the, the match goes 25 minutes. And, and there's a near fall or a false finish with Lesnar where this, he eats a phenomenal forearm and then a stomp, but he still kicks out at 2.9. You know what I mean? Like, like it's just, it's a waste of time. Why spend all this time putting this match together, getting these guys in this spot to do nothing with them? Why am I supposed to care about AJ Styles going into WrestleMania now? You're not. They've just told us that the only thing that matters is Brock and Roman. And that's what's so frustrating is that they do, they just they don't need to do it. They can't help themselves. They have to make these guys look at like the biggest, baddest monsters of all time. And it doesn't and it brings everybody else down. Brock, I just want to correct you, Brock, Roman and Lashley, because we do have to admit they not only did they protect Lashley in the booking here, but they have booked him extremely strong over the last, you know, well, 14 months or so. Like they, it, they do the best they possibly can to make Lashley strong. Even when he lost the title to Big E, he Here's was strong. Thing, though. In, it, in not the same level. Not the same in time. wrestling parlance, sure. But if I'm watching this, I see Bobby only win the title because Brock interfered, and then he can't get out because he, he got hit by some plexiglass and he got a concussion from it. I don't, that, in, in theory, it's protecting Bobby Lashley, but to me, it doesn't. He lost his belt, and he wasn't even in the match. He looks like it. He looks like a chump again, well, just yeah, like I mean, everybody that, else does. Abs- no, I mean that's absolutely true. There, there's not even a question. I, there is a listen. There's a tier one in WWE, and it's Roman Reigns for the men. It's Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, and the problem is the way they book everything around Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar means there's no tier two anymore. No, the, it drops to tier three. So everyone else. Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, 
um, Seth Rollins, AJ AJ Styles, Styles. whoever you want to put in that category at any given time, they can do no better than the top of tier three, unless it's a period of time where Brock Lesnar is not with the company, in which case they get elevated into a tier two and they're very strong. And maybe WWE, you know, decides to keep the title away from Roman Reigns for a six month period of time for everyone's luck. But, but ultimately we're back in the spot we did not want to be in. They, they took the title off Lashley and they've now changed, let's remember, the WWE Championship twice inside of what? Three times since January 1st. Three times on day January one. 1st? On day one, Brock no, Royal Rumble at, happened. Royal, Rumble, Royal happened. Rumble, Brock right. got it back. Uh, uh, Bobby got it back. And then right. here, Brock gets it back. So three, three times since January 1st, four times yes. since whenever Big E won October, November, whenever the hell that was. And... They just didn't need to do any of this. They never needed to. Once they put the title on Brock, why take it off of him just to put it right back on him? Why give it to Bobby to take it away a couple weeks later? Like, 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 it would have been one thing. It would have been one thing if Lashley, I mean, if Lesnar, I'm sorry, came into this match as champion and went through all five guys and emerged still as champion and fought Roman Reigns title versus title at WrestleMania. You can say, hey, they put him in a situation kayfabe where they gave as many people as they possibly could have shot they put lesnar in the most difficult situation possible you know with the hopes of maybe of him losing the title and having two title matches at wrestlemania but instead that's not what happened and boom they're both going to go ahead in as champion but it goes the problem well so let me let me just add one more thing yeah the problem is that in order for wwe to get here in order for wwe to get to champion versus champion they needed lesnar to lose the title after he won it at day one because they needed him in the Royal Rumble match. Right, right. And they needed to make sure there was no one else who had a claim for a world championship opportunity at WrestleMania. So that's why they did it. But then you go back to day one and you say, well, you didn't need to put Lesnar in that match in the first place. Exactly. And they did that because Roman Reigns got COVID-19. So I am still... At this point, and, and no one has said peep about it, none of the journalists, no one, I still want to know what WWE's original booking plan was going from day one until the end of Elimination Chamber, because it clearly wasn't this. It couldn't have been this. And, no and that's that's where I sit. I'm just confounded by that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say was was if, if this is where you were going, why have Brock win at day one if you needed him to then lose? And then when the Rumble... To then get into to get into this, and they this didn't is, think it, probably. They, and this after, goes back to after day one, they probably didn't think. Okay, what's next? They just had and to make goes, a decision. And on it the goes fly. back to the bigger issue of you don't need this to be title versus title. They 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 Absolutely have spent. Not. They have given them everything. They have demolished everybody. They have all the titles. Forget about how to have a tier two. They don't have a tier three barely. Like they just <clears> have to give absolutely every amount of energy they have to these two at the expense of everybody. And that's the problem back in the fall when we had Brock Roman storylines going on, it wasn't at the expense of other guys. It it wasn't about making other guys look weak and stuff like that. But then we get around mania. We got to just destroy everybody with these guys because we got to build them up. You don't need to do champion versus champion. It doesn't add any more stakes. You've already made them the very, very top they can possibly be. Why are we wasting an extra title yeah. to do this? And That's, there's all these and there's all these reports now that WWS are like they're trying to figure out special things they can do for Mania to fill out the card because 
you just threw half your, you just threw the entirety of the raw roster in the toilet because you had to give Brock another title to make title versus title. Well, that's the crazy thing. So yes, let me first get to what you said. Champion versus champion is the wrong move. We've established that on this podcast for the last six weeks. When, once it became even a possibility, it's nonsensical. It's without reason. And it's a massive insult to the rest of the roster and just a terrible decision. Also, when you have a two night WrestleMania, it's one thing yeah. when you, when you did winner take all uh, with Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania 35, it was one night and it was the solo main event and it was all the women main eventing. So you wanted to put both titles in the match. That made total sense. This is the opposite. You have two nights. It's already the main event. You don't need to add a second title to the match. And yet they did. But what's even a greater indictment than just this and what they did to Rollins and Styles, Rollins in particular, in this match, whatever. If you look at the entire WWE roster right now, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns have pinned or submitted every single potential main eventer for their championships at this point. Literally all of them. Big E has been pinned. Um, Drew McIntyre was pinned at Survivor Series. I mean, you can literally go down Rollins and Styles, both now pinned by Lesnar. Rey Mysterio has been pinned. Cesaro was pinned by, you know, like you can, you can literally take a look at the roster. There's no one left at this point. Roman Reigns, the whole point of having a guy who's a dominant champion with a reign this big, as we've said many times, is to ultimately put someone over. And mm -hmm. it can be someone that has a long-term story with the person like Seth Rollins. It can be someone like Drew McIntyre, who's a baby face that you really want to develop, who, you know, did a really good job last year, but never actually got his moment, you know, two years ago, I'm sorry, because of the pandemic. Th there are so many different names that you could slide into that spot and you can crown them. We thought there was a pot potential for Big E to, you mm -hmm. know, you know, once he lost his title, win Royal Rumble, face Roman Reigns, get put over by Reigns in the main event of WrestleMania. There are so many options, but they've all been defeated at this point. So now... WWE has two options at WrestleMania. Have Roman Reigns win both titles, in which case, do they unify them? Does he drop one, what making it clearly less point? valuable in the eyes of everyone? Um, or does he lose one, a la Kenny Omega, how he had multiple titles and he lost one to Christian and then kept the other one, which would you know, kind of ruin the first yeah. time Reigns actually loses? Or is the person who ends Roman Reigns' winning streak Brock Lesnar, the person, the only person in the company who is stronger than Roman Reigns and the, and one of maybe two people in the company, the other being Goldberg, who could not possibly be elevated by beating Roman Reigns, who's already as elevated as you possibly can be. So no matter what happens, there's not a good outcome at WrestleMania unless somehow someone else gets added to the match and that is not going to happen. There's, there's one there's one, only one possible good outcome left. I'm not even going to say it's the best outcome, but it's, I think the only way I can save it to be, to, to be to a point where I'll, I will come out of that match excited. And that is Roman Reigns wins. And at the end, we get The Rock comes out. Well, yes, says, we talked about that. Yes. Yeah. SummerSlam, next year's Mania, whatever. That's, yeah, that's the only way I can think of coming out of that match being like, oh man, that was awesome. Otherwise, if Roman wins, whatever, if Brock wins two titles, I'm just like, 
Yeah, and that's going to be the last match of the show. I, 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 it's going to be very difficult, I think, for them to have people come out of the show feeling good. And it's because of everything they've sacrificed to make this happen. Well, that's the other thing. It's like, okay, let's not forget in New Orleans how badly this match got booed, right? Yeah. Now, yeah, you and I were there. Yeah, we were there, and it was horrible. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen WWE. I've ever seen from a WWE live event where the crowd just completely turned on them. Now, that's not going to happen here because Reigns is legitimately hated, but he's also, because he's such a good heel, he's also loved. So people do have an interest in seeing him. And Brock Lesnar is over like Rover right now as a babyface. Even with the booking, even with us not liking the direction they're going in, he's still over as hell. Now, when we get to Dallas and it's a major city and it's a smart crowd like it normally is for WrestleMania, could they potentially boo this out of the building? I think it's within the realm of possibility. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it it shouldn't be happening in the first place. And I don't think ultimately it will get that negative reaction on the show. Probably not. Um, it'll depend what else happens, if the rest of the show is good, but also how long this match goes. If, if they try to do a 30-minute match, I think people could turn on it. Um, so probably not, but... Possibly, if it's not a good mania, if they can't fill out the rest of the card in interesting ways, um, I think it's possible. But like I said, it, it's either way, coming out of the end, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to have the crowd just coming out of the second night really excited. It's going to be difficult. So I don't know. I just don't know how, with what they have so far, right now there's only three matches official for WrestleMania, and there's six weeks to go, but there's only three matches official. I mean, they've sold already like 56,000 tickets for each night, which is mm -hmm. pretty impressive. They want 100,000 for each night. They're not going to get it. Um, but I, I don't know how you fill out this card. And my guess is that each, each day is three hours or three and a half hours at most because this show, which had a full eight-match card, even though they took one match off, it was 250. So what the hell are you going to do at a two-night WrestleMania when you only have one men's world championship match? I, I don't know that that's going to be the biggest question. I think for the next six weeks is, it is. how do they build the rest of the card? I don't, I, they'll do Rome, Roman Brock stuff when it's just the two of them together is good. I'm going to probably like the build to this match. I'm going to like the promos and I'm, I'm looking forward to Heyman when it's just the two of them together. It's good. But let but me, it's, it, it, let me yeah. propose, let me propose something to you and then we can move on. Yeah. If WWE books, two world championship matches for night one, okay? Let's just make believe Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns versus, man, who's even on that brand right now? Drew McIntyre. Oh, God, I'd, I'd hate for them to throw. Let's say Drew McIntyre, but... He's the, only, he's the only one, I guess Big E's over there now, I guess. Okay, Big E. Let's just make believe it's Big E. So we get the match we want, right? Would that at all save the champion versus champion situation for you? Or... Would it not? Because it's so obvious both of them will retain the titles. It, it, it's tough because it would be so obvious. But I also think they could do a good job getting me excited for every possible scenario. I, I, I think they could build that. McIntyre well. Lesnar rematch. Biggie yeah. Lesnar wanting retribution. You know, I think I think they could. I think there would be a way they could make it pretty exciting, at least in the build, even if we know what we're going to get. Okay, fair enough. And we're going to talk more about this on Tuesday's WWE episode. And, and we have six more weeks until WrestleMania. So 
we'll see what WWE actually does. But we did feel like we needed to kind of spend a little time and talk about it here. So Chris, let's with that move to the women's side here. All right. We had the Raw Women's Championship, Becky Lynch defending against Lita. They had a a good uh, pre-match video package, but there wasn't any additional build here for this. Uh, So for the match, Lita hit a hurricanrana off the jump. Lynch countered a twist of fate with a disarmer. Lita countered a third Bexploder suplex into a DDT and hit a flying crossbody for a near fall. Becky tried to cheat with her pinfall by grabbing the ropes, but Lita kicked out. Becky then countered another twist of fate, but Lita caught her with a cutter. I think it was maybe Dirty Deeds. Anyway, uh, Lynch got the disarmer back on. As Lita was escaping it, though, Becky hit the manhandle slam, but Lita got her foot on the bottom rope in a really good false finish. Lynch went for Lita's moonsault, but missed, and Lita hit the twist of fate. Then she added her moonsault as Becky kicked out at a 2.9 and an even better false finish. Lita got Becky up, and Lynch immediately hit the manhandle slam, collapsing on top of Lita for the one, two, three. And then after the bell, you could tell Becky was whispering to Lita, probably thanking her for putting her over and all that type of stuff. It seemed like a really sweet moment. I'm sure it meant a lot to her. Uh, And then Lita, despite losing, got a huge ovation. They played her music and stuff after the bell. And I thought that was pretty cool to see. But this match was an absolute freaking banger. It was the match of the night, I think, as far as I'm concerned. It got plenty of time. Uh, Has Lita lost a step? Sure. She hasn't wrestled a a match like this in WWE, a singles true one-on-one match against another woman in 16 years. But she was incredible for Mm -hmm. that, you know, putting all that in context. This could have been a WrestleMania match, and I don't think anyone would have thought twice about it. I went four stars and an A minus, and you know what? If you told me it was an A at 4.25, I would not argue with you. I was, I was going to be right there at a, at a, at a 4.0. And yeah, I mean, we knew Becky was going to win, but the question coming in was, how does Lita look? And could this be the start of a Lita run? And I think the answer is absolutely. She, she I don't think she, I didn't, think she lost much of a step at all she was moving she was moving great in there everything was going well uh becky was yelling out the spots quite a bit uh early on especially which kind of <laughs> took away a little bit it's like john cena and they're just yelling him out but yeah this was this was great lita looks great and i hope we see her on the road to mania whether that's a one-off with bailey or sasha or whether it's a tag match or something like that i think you know we talk about how else are you going to fill out the card with interesting stuff, I think Lita is one way you you can do that. Um, I don't know. We, we don't know if she's back or not. Maybe, maybe this was a, a, a test run to see how it looks. I, I don't know. But coming out of that, I'm thinking I, I, I really want to see more Lita because she can absolutely hang with, I think, a lot of the people that they have. She and proved we'll, and that. We'll get, we'll get into the rest of it. But there is a there is so much good women's wrestling in this company right now. It is. It yeah. is. It is nice that they got to show that in Saudi Arabia. Um, and, and just moving forward, there are so many things they can do with this whole division. The, the women stole the show. You can argue yeah. the three best matches on the show were the women's matches. I, I, I was just literally, I was just thinking that I, you're probably right. I would probably say the three women's matches are the top three matches of the card. Yeah. They absolutely crushed it. Good for them. Um, and you know what this Lita, you know, I've been talking fantasy booking right on the podcast, booking the damn territory for Lita and what she proved tonight is all of those matches I hope for. Sasha Banks, Bailey, maybe a tag team match with Trish Stratus against both of the golden role models. Uh, that's all legit and all feasible now because she can mm-hmm. do it. She can do every single thing she needs to do to be back in WWE on a limited basis, just like Edges. She can, she can do the Edge schedule. I totally yeah. believe it. If she wants to do it, I want to see her. Simple and, as and, that. And, and, and we said it leading up to this, but like Lita needs to be treated like 
Edge coming back, like Goldberg coming back. Like she needs to be treated as absolute one of the best of all time is, is back doing this. And, and I hope they continue to. Absolutely. So let's move to the other half of the Raw Women's Championship picture, which was the Elimination Chamber match because it was for a number one contendership for Becky Lynch's champ title. We had Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, Dewdrop, Liv Morgan, Nikki Ash, and Alexa Bliss in this match. The last spot was supposed to be a mystery, but they just announced it on Raw. This was the second match on the show. Right off the top, and because this was the first match, even though we just discussed Becky, the, the first thing that stood out to me, the women looked awesome. They were covered head to toe, yes, but or neck to toe, I guess. But there weren't any stupid oversized t-shirts for the first time. And because of the way their gear all looked, they kind of looked like DC superheroes. That's the first thing that came into my mind. And I thought that was pretty cool. Also, Liv came out yeah. fully dressed like Britney Spears from Oops, I Did It Again. Yep, yep. That was just... And I was just really impressed, not just in this match, all three matches, the women looked outstanding. Not, not, and not from a, um, I'm not even saying that from a male standpoint. I'm saying from an aesthetic standpoint. Like, like yeah. they looked awesome and they didn't look like a joke, which in all these other Blood Money in the Sand shows, you're so distracted by them wearing oversized t-shirts that it really takes you away from like, oh, maybe we'll get a good re- women's wrestling match here. That wasn't the case on this show. Right. And, and, and we've seen, I think, coming out of the last one that both Charlotte and Sasha eventually used the, the full bodysuit as normal gear, even back here in the United States. Yeah, so and it looks good. Yeah, it, it does look good. And, and, and Liv Morgan, she looked like, obviously, Britney Spears. Also, a note to a couple months back, she dressed like Christina Aguilera. She did. So that, so that was a, a, a continuation of that. Very cool. One other thing, Chris, before we get to the match itself. So Alexa Bliss came out last. She made her entrance. I mean, she was basically 90% the same character, right? Which was pretty disappointing. It also proved all of those videos, all of those therapy sessions, the stuff we sat through thinking like, oh, she's going to come out on the other side different was a total waste of time. It's so lazy and like disappointing for them to bring her back without what was a much needed repackage. Now, okay, is she going to be demonic and do magical things? And is Lily going to be there? Probably not. But she still has the dark look. She has the exact same music. They had a chance to bring her back as the goddess or a gimmick that was somewhere in between both. And they didn't. I thought it was a total wasted opportunity. And it even went so far as the fact that she had a swing in her pod in the elimination chamber. <laughs> it was, like, was kind of like if she was still doing the gimmick and had never left, for example, that would have been cool and made sense. Like, you know, she has the, the swing, whatever. But for her to come back and be almost like exactly the same, again, it's a microcosm of everything that's wrong with WWE. They had a chance to do something. They didn't do it. I liked I liked the swing, but yeah, otherwise, just generally, I don't understand what the point of the therapy was for so many vignettes if it wasn't much of a change. I, I thought it was like two months. Beginning, I, thought, I thought it'd be a great way to to transition her back to what she was. And it was like a great setup, but they just didn't do it. So it's yeah, it seemed like everything was there for them to bring her back. Like it, they did a pretty smart move and then they just. Didn't follow through. Yeah, weird. For no real reason whatsoever. Okay. As far as the match goes, uh, Liv and Nikki started. Dewdrop was third. She sent on Liv on the platform. Ripley was fourth and quickly took Nikki out with Riptide. Bliss was fifth. She got a great reaction and had some really nice moves out of the jump for the first time wrestling in a long time. Uh, Liv pinned Dewdrop after a sunset flip powerbomb off the ropes. 
thought that was awesome, but she sold an injured Nate. Belair was last to enter as she earned by winning the gauntlet match. Uh, Belair went on a run and got face to face with Ripley, but they decided to team up with a double delayed vertical suplex. It was a really fun spot because Bliss's skirt kept falling in Ripley's face and she kept like flipping it up and smiling at Bianca. I don't know. I just had so much fun with them doing that. Uh, Ripley flipped out of a KOD and she and Belair ate a double code breaker from Liv. Bliss took Liv out with Twisted Bliss. So now there were three left. Then she countered Riptide and lucked into DDTing Ripley as Belair simultaneously clotheslined Bliss in what I thought was another great spot. Belair caught Bliss trying for a Huracarana, bounced her off the ropes twice for power bombs into the steel walls. Belair then missed a 450, did a handstand out of Bliss's DDT, which was a cool reversal. Belair's handspring moonsault got caught with double knees for a near fall. Bliss then demanded Belair give up, but instead Belair punched her square in the face <laughs> and hit a KOD to win in 15 minutes and advance to WrestleMania against the Raw Women's Champion. So this was a really fun match, but just like I said about the men's chamber and we talked about earlier, this is so short. Charlotte Flair against Naomi on SmackDown, a TV match, went 20 minutes. The gauntlet on Raw went like 35 or something like that, maybe even 40. This went 15 up until the men's. This was the shortest elimination chamber match in history by four minutes. And now both of them are the two shortest elimination chamber matches in history. How the hell, I don't get it. Do you do a stipulation where you have four people in timed pods and you just have it go 15 minutes? They were opening the pods after like two minutes and they even let the initial people, which are supposed to back in the day, they would get five minutes to wrestle. They only got, I think, two or three minutes. The ring shouldn't even be full of competitors at 15 minutes, let alone it be the end of the match. Anyway, that's my rant on the time. The right person won. The action was extremely strong. Everyone got to shine, at least for a moment, except for Mm -hmm. Nikki. But Ripley, I felt, should have been in there much longer. Bliss was her normal self. She was good in some spots, pretty rough in some others. The finish was booked well. And they actually made me think on more than one occasion, Bliss might win, which filled me with a sense of dread. (laughs) So they worked me in the match. And I like being worked, you know, when it's in a positive manner. You know, I was between... 3.75 3.75 stars and four stars for this. I'm going to go with 3.75 and a B plus. There wasn't enough to make it higher, but there really were great spots and it was great action. And like I said, it was an indication of how well the women were booked and treated on this entire show. T- totally agree. I-, I-, I liked it. I just would have liked more of it essentially. But for the most part, everybody got to look pretty good in, in-, in some places. That's it's-, it's a complete opposite of what we got in the men. Uh, so it, it, it accomplished that. I was surprised it wasn't Rhea uh, at the end, but I understand wanting to give Alexa some stuff, you know, in her yes. comeback. Absolutely. And I was with you where I was thinking, oh, maybe, maybe she comes back to win this. So, so I, I, I got work there too. Uh, yeah. I mean, pretty much agree with, with, with all that I, on the timing stuff. So this, this, when this match started, this was the second match of the main card. When this match, when the bell rang to start, 40 minutes had gone by in the show up to this point mm-hmm. with with one match, one six-minute wrestling match. So I was like, really? man, this card, huh. yeah. We we had, we had the intro, we had the, the long entrances, the video, the match, then all these entrances. It took up 40 minutes. And I was thinking, this is going to be a long-ass card because we, we were given eight matches 
It turned into seven because one got put down to the kickoff show. But by this point, I was like, this 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 show is going to take forever. And then you get a shorter than expected women's chamber match. And you're thinking, oh, so maybe this will be different. And then as the show progressed, it ended up wrapping up pretty quickly. So I wasn't sure if they were trying to cut down on time or what. But by the end, it wasn't all that long of a show. It really wasn't. It was 250, as we talked about. And not only that, every match was short. You, you do make a good point. For a show that had eight matches, seven that actually happened, and had went for two hours and fifty well, no, minutes. Six, six that actually happened. There Plus was the kickoff show match. No, there were eight, and then we didn't get the tag team, the men's tag team match. Right, so seven actually happened. So, so yeah, said. seven happened, including the kickoff, so six on the main show. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, fine. Six on the main show. Um, for that to be 250 and not be mostly wrestling, I mean... I would bet if you added up all the times, and maybe you'll do it when I talk about the next match, if you added up all the match times, I bet they were less than half of two hours and 50 minutes. I bet they were less than an hour and 25 minutes of the broadcast. Just saying. it's It's, yeah, you said it's it's a little bit less than that. Yeah, rough math. A That's wild. That's wild yeah. for, a, for a three-hour elimination chamber. One, it's not an A-level pay-per-view, you know, tier one, but it's a signature show. And we just talked about how good Crown Jewel was, you know, uh, in November, back in Blood Money in the Sand in Saudi Arabia. So there was every reason to make this a great show with a ton of wrestling they, and a longer show. They just didn't do it. Yeah, I, I don't know if it comes back to WWE's larger strategy that's kind of on and off right now, which is as little wrestling as possible, which is what they seem to do for a period until last week. We got the long women's gauntlet match, but. It, it, it's kind of sometimes they're they're just giving us almost no wrestling, especially on like a SmackDown. It's just so um, yeah. This this week's SmackDown, there was no wrestling on it, and this was a show with so many entrances, the and, and and long entrances, multi man matches that uh, yeah end up not being very much wrestling for an almost three hour show. <sighs> so frustrating. Let's move on to everything else that happened on the card. Uh, we had oh actually before I I'm sorry before I move on, um, exciting WrestleMania match: Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair. What I wanted, what I think most fans wanted, what they set up, you know, to credit to them at Survivor Series, there was a report. Uh, I forgot who it was. I think it may have been Dave Meltzer that Bianca Belair has been the planned winner of Elimination Chamber for several months. So the fact that they had a storyline, a long-term storyline, told it, kept Bianca Belair strong the entire time. And while doing that, allowed Becky Lynch to raise the game, really, for the Raw Women's Division. The short matches on TV... But all of her title matches were good, you know, good to great. I, I think this was, even though I don't like how it started with Be uh, Belair being beaten in however long it was, six seconds. The way it's turned out has gotten us to a really good spot. And I do have to give them a little bit of credit for that. Yeah, look, sometimes predictable things are good. And they, they, they had a story and they've stuck to it. They've kept the people involved looking good. And now we get a match that I'm sure we expected it. But I'm really excited to see it because they they've they've they told the story and and they they kept the people interesting and now they're going to come back together in natural story Bianca wants her her belt back after what happened boom easy right. stuff right there and no stupid swerves or anything like that they just kept it very simple okay let's move on to the rest of the card as I said uh, we had Ronda Rousey and Naomi against Charlotte Flair and Sonya Deville so on SmackDown they did a contract signing for a regular tag team match which on its own was strange when do you ever see that. Uh, the canned audio that they piped in was so ridiculous that it actively ruined this segment that, by the way, 
was a pretty decent segment. Otherwise, the lines back and forth, mm-hmm. the, the confrontation, all of that was good, but the audio was so bad. Sonya revealed that there was a stipulation added to the contract that Ronda would have to wrestle with one arm tied, tied behind her back because Sonya had her arm in a sling to make it fair. Rousey signed anyway. Then the faces flipped the table. Like I said, the back and forth, fine. The piped in shoes and, uh, shoes and beers is what I was going to say. The piped in <laughs> cheers and booze absolutely killed this entire thing and made it absurd, at least for me as a viewer. Yeah, SmackDown as a whole with the piped in commentating and cheering and booing was a complete mess. It was like a throwback to the early Thunderdome mess. So yeah, it, it yeah, it kind of took away from, it definitely took away from the contract signing. No question about it. So for Elimination Chamber, Rousey came out in her Olympic bronze medal wearing judo gi without any makeup. And I thought that was a really cool look, not only for her, but they really appreciate martial arts in Saudi Arabia and in the Middle East. So I presume that's part of the reason she did it. But her and a gi looked pretty damn cool. I don't know if there was another reason for it, but I also thought her wearing without makeup was cool. It was such a contrast to the way the other three women in the match were, were dressed and how they looked, but also within WWE as a whole, how made up the women frequently are. I just thought it was really unique and different for her to come out that way. Yeah, I, I, I kind of popped for it. I was like, oh, this is it's an interesting way to work around kind of the 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 requirements of what they wear and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I was interested in it. And, and yeah, you mentioned the no makeup and stuff. I thought it was pretty cool. Honestly, that, that was that was a, a very much a baby face move. It was. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, as expected, DeVille revealed right after the bell that her arm was fine and Rousey's was still tied. So Rousey still was able to get up on her as the arm was tied more to her side than her back. She didn't really do a good job keeping it behind her back, but it was still tied. So fair is fair. Uh, she went for an arm bar, but Flair interfered and tossed her into the post. Flair grabbed Rousey by the rope and hair to prevent a tag, but Naomi got the hot tag anyway. She had a disaster kick, an awesome tope corkscrew, then ate a sit-down powerbomb from Flair. Rousey got tagged back in and hit her Piper's pit slam on Sonya. She taunted Flair with DeVille's arm in her grasp and won with the armbar submission in 10 minutes. Naomi was the total MVP of this match, but they all worked really well together. There were some fun moments here. Rousey had to be on the winning side going into WrestleMania, so the booking made complete sense. The arm stipulation, it was totally unnecessary. I went 3.25 stars and a B. If I was WWE, I would put Naomi in this WrestleMania match. People would be most excited to see her more than Flair, more than Rousey. She has been the star the last few weeks across the entire women's division. And you can make an argument. She's been the best part of WWE TV over the last week and a half. Uh, this is a big Naomi MVP run right now. It I don't think it's going to go anywhere, but that's just how I feel about what we've seen from her recently. I, I had the exact same reaction coming out of this, which was that Naomi can freaking go. And, and she's just over the years gotten better and better and better. And really is someone you could strap a rocket to and, and take to the top if 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 you wanted to. Um, I you know, is there gonna be a Naomi Mania type of thing to get her into the match? Uh, I'd love to see it. She's awesome. Uh we'll see if she ever gets that opportunity. Um, but she was awesome. This match was fun. And Rhonda, I think the arm behind her back thing kind of like changed the whole mindset of how she typically goes into wrestling and it made it a lot more entertaining. She had a that great flying knee. She had to she had to uh, sell essentially because of that, 
and it made her a much more interesting character and wrestler to watch. So I, I, obviously you can't do that every match, but I'm, I hope they and, and her can take some things from this match and that, you know, you don't just have to have the, the scowl punching and do, you know, your UFC deal to be a pro wrestler. You can do other things, do the judo gimmick for <laughs> keep doing the judo gimmick. I mean, like I, 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 I you know, we, we haven't, we've kind of been down on, on her coming back and getting this main event spot. Uh, but I was encouraged by her and, and think, um, you know, maybe there is a lot of, of room for her still to go. So yeah, this was probably the th- third most interesting of the three women's matches, but probably the third most interesting match on the card. Yeah, right. I think that's totally fair. Uh, we had uh, Drew McIntyre versus Madcap Moss in a Falls Count Anywhere match. On SmackDown, McIntyre asked fans to send suggestions on how he can beat up Moss to a hashtag that they never referenced again. Moss said after he won, he and Happy Corbin would be laughing all the way home. McIntyre said Moss has talent, but aligned himself with the wrong guy and promised to hurt him. The whole thing was a waste of time. Can we just admit that McIntyre's new nickname, the SmackDown Warrior, is the absolute height of absurdity? I mean, the sword is ridiculous. We know that, and we've talked about it. But the nickname is just mind-numbing, and clearly your dogs agree with me. Scottish psychopath was great. I understand as a face, they don't want him to be psychopath anymore. So they pull that, fine. Scottish warrior was also totally fine. Why would you make him the SmackDown warrior? I just can't get through my mind who thought that was a good idea. Not going to lie. Because nobody says that. No, I don't understand because nobody understands. Nobody understands that. I'm not going to lie. I didn't even realize it when you said it. Oh, just now. This is the first time kind of maybe it's just going in one ear out the other. I didn't even notice it till now. That is terrible. Yeah. Michael Cole um, hits it really, really hard. Like the SmackDown warrior, Drew McIntyre. Just like I I don't know what they're doing with Drew McIntyre right now. They, They have turned him into an absolute corny yeah, character that nobody is invested in anymore. I, I I thought this could be a big moment WrestleMania where he's the one who takes down Roman Reigns. Instead, we're probably getting Corbin, and we're getting the SmackDown Warrior. Like, come on, man. Yeah, it's just it's just really silly. Everything about this is silly. So as far as Elimination Chamber, the Happy Folks double teamed McIntyre at the bell since it was no disqualification. Drew hit Moss with an Alabama Slam, but I've never seen anyone in the history of wrestling take an Alabama Slam worse than Madcap Moss. He took it directly on the top of his head. Not only that, I think his right hand like crumbled and hit hit the mat directly and crumbled. So like in my head, I thought this guy knocked himself out and jammed or broke four fingers on his hand all in one move. He was checked and allowed to continue competing and he didn't look worse for wear. He did look fine, but man, it looked so bad. It, it looked like he was expect. He it looked like he was just thinking, "This is this is back bump, and I gotta curl over." I don't like it. Just in the uh, moment, yeah. it was so and, weird. And it was because it was a reverse Alabama. Normally, you take that, but coming the other way around, I he just probably mixed it up in the moment. But man, you I think you tweeted like you cannot take it any worse than that. Like even yeah. they showed a replay. God, thank God this guy's not paralyzed. That yeah. was brutal looking. That particular move, you cannot take worse than he did. Just, it was absolutely incredible. So they continued with their standard spots. McIntyre threw Moss over the announce table. Then Corbin hit Drew in the back with a chair and drove him into the barricade for a near fall outside. McIntyre hit Moss with a huge superplex and a future shock DDT. 
McIntyre then used the sword to try and decapitate Corbin. And I guess like the only place in the world he could probably get away with that is Saudi Arabia. So better to do it there uh, before he hit the Claymore on Moss with the sword in his hand while he hit the Claymore for the win. The idea here after the opening attack was that Corbin helped Moss when he needed it, but he wanted him to fight on his own as much as possible. It just didn't make a shred of sense, given the fact that this was a no disqualification match. In kayfabe, they should have teamed up and destroyed McIntyre, or it should have gotten to the point where McIntyre somehow eliminated Corbin over the barricade or something, and then beat Moss in the middle of the ring. It just didn't make any sense. The crowd absolutely loved this, and Drew got some of the biggest reactions of the night. I I was between two grades here. I'm going to go back, I think, to the 2.75 stars and a C plus, just because even though the crowd loved it, the wrestling just really wasn't that good. And I, But I do have to say, McIntyre and Moss, they've worked well together the last two times they fought on day one and on this, but neither of those matches needed to happen. The fact that Corbin was so involved here and it was already a two-on-one makes a WrestleMania singles match, McIntyre and Corbin, make no sense whatsoever. I don't want it. So this just felt like an entire waste of time to me. They did a fine job. I'm glad Madcap Moss is okay. That's really what I cared about most. Yeah, I mean, first off, obviously we we hope he's okay. I've got, I I just, I have like two different feelings coming out of this. One, the match was, I did not care for it at all. I actually went outside to do something on my lawn for a minute. Um, Was not super interested in this happening. Match was whatever, 2.5 stars. It was just kind of nothing. Um, Drew swings his sword at the end and, and gets Corbin out of there. I, I don't know. But my other thought coming out of this is that outside of that terrible reverse Alabama slam bump, I continue to think Mad Cat Moss has a lot of potential, just not in this current form. He, he's, he's charismatic. He's pretty good on the, on the mic. We learned, through, we learned today that he's tough as shit. Uh, to to not only take that, but then they did a superplex off the top rope later in the match, and just man, I, I can't can't imagine how how he toughed that out. Um, it was a nice superplex. It, it, yeah, and, and he, I mean, he he can, I think he can go pretty well. So I just this it doesn't feel like it, but I continue to be like, there's something there if they can figure it out at some point. It just it wasn't this. Okay, so let's just move on away from that to the only other match that was scheduled for the main show, the SmackDown Tag Team Championship, the Usos against the Viking Raiders. On SmackDown, we had Jay Uso against Ivar. Jimmy Uso broke up a potential fall after two minutes and 45 seconds when Ivar splashed Jay, so it was a disqualification. The Raiders got their Viking helmets back. It was an atrocious segment and a total waste of time. It was one of three matches on SmackDown. The other two were very good. This one was horrible. It did nothing to build to the title match. And then... At Elimination Chamber, it's just honestly incredible how WWE took a worthless feud, had no build for a pay-per-view match, and then had the Usos attack the Viking Raiders before the bell without even letting the match happen on pay-per-view. Like, what the hell is the point? What are they so angry about? Why is this? There's no reason for this to be a feud. They had one, like, backstage confrontation during a promo, and that's the entire thing. Look, if, if they fight for the titles on Friday fine, end it, like whatever, move on. But if they drag this out to be the tag team title match at WrestleMania, I'm going to lose my freaking mind. That was my thought. That was my thought was, oh, they're just not going to do it here. They're going to do it at, at Mania, which it, it was six weeks away. No way. It was disappointing because I was interested in the match and thought they could do something 
uh, something pretty good. And then just to not do it. Also, like in kayfabe, like people get attacked on the way to the ring all the time. And the point is to weaken them. And then you get in the ring and the baby faces tough it out and start the match. Why did the Usos just like beat him up and then not be like, all right, let's have our match now. Like I didn't, there was just zero point to anything that happened there. It was, it was frankly, it was insulting as a viewer after their attempts to push this on us forever to then not even do it. Uh, Just, just, it was, it was a mess. It was terrible. It was horrible. And then on the kickoff show, we had Rey Mysterio versus the Miz. So by the way, Viking Raiders, Usos tag team match, not on the kickoff show. Drew McIntyre, Mad Cat Moss, not on the kickoff show. But we're going to take Rey Mysterio. We're going to put him on the kickoff show. I did miss the first half of this match while I was in the car, but I did get to see the crowd going wild for it. They loved it. Rey was dressed like Judo Master from Peacemaker. At least that's what I thought. He was in all green. Uh, Miz got Dominic ejected, but Rey got up on Miz while he was distracted, climbing down his body for the roll-through pinning combination win. Miz was pissed. He attacked Rey after the match. Dom made the save. They had a double 619 and a double frog splash. There were some nice false finishes here and the crowd did put it over. I went three stars and a B minus. I actually thought it was pretty entertaining. Yeah, it was, it was perfectly fine. It was, it would have been a, a real solid TV show match. Um, this was the one I think we had the least, uh, the, the most intriguing in terms of who's going to win. Um, and then we, we, we see it's going to be on the kickoff show and kind of was what it was. And all right, I, I, I don't know if this means they're going to, continue to do these guys up until mania or uh, or, or what but yeah it was just kind of uh, it was fine it was, it was solid yeah so that was wwe elimination chamber at least i don't think i missed anything uh it was best i can put it chris a pretty uneven show um the women ruled really you take those three women's matches you put them on any pay-per-view you're off to a great start as far as i'm concerned the men top to bottom were weak. And as one person tweeted at me while we were taping the show from not Rob Manfred at Matt Rat 103, he says three pay-per-views, sorry, premium live events with LOL Lesnar main events to start the year. Wish I could say I was surprised. It's a really good point. We've had three pay-per-views this year. Brock Lesnar has stood tall at the end of all of them. Won the WWE championship, won the Royal Rumble, won the WWE championship. All three results, I as a viewer, did not want. And that is how all three pay-per-views to start 2022 have ended. Yeah, it's a good point. It, it, it really feels like the calendar flipped and we're truly back to pre-pandemic WWE booking. Yeah. You know, we, yeah. we, 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 we liked the, largely liked the product during the Thunderdome era. The pay-per-views. Smackdown. We really liked the, the paper, pay-per-views. The pay-per-views were all really good. We had, we yeah. had fresh matchups. We had, Long, they, they they were forced to tell stories and do it in different ways. They didn't have a crowd, um, and and they eventually piped in the crowd, and that kind of became its own thing. But you know, now we're they're fully back to just all right. Goldberg's got a title match. All right, we're gonna have Brock destroy everybody. We're gonna do Brock Roman again, and it's just like it really feels like they've fallen all the way back into their old habits. And any lessons that they learned coming out of the Thunderdome had been gone other than let's pipe in the crowd to make them do what we want. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been a rough, rough start to the year. And it's none of this has gotten me any more excited for WrestleMania. No, no. The road to WrestleMania is not paved in gold. It is not exciting right now. Uh, there's three matches booked for the WrestleMania card. Champion versus champion. Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Raw Women's Championship 
Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair, and the SmackDown Women's Championship, Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey. Out of those three, I'm excited for the Raw Women's Championship match. Mm-hmm. The SmackDown one, you know, middle of the road, don't really care much. The champion versus champion, by the time it starts, I'll be excited for it just because it is Roman Reigns, who's great, and Brock Lesnar, who's great, and it is the main event of WrestleMania. So by the time we get to the match, I, I will be anticipating it. But it's not exciting me for WrestleMania as a show. I'm not sitting here kind of saying, man, I can't wait for it. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, like, I'm going. I've already bought my tickets and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I'm like, what else we got? Because these marquee matches, two of the marquee matches, not just, I'm just, I'm not into right now. It's not like I can't wait until we see this. It's not like I can't wait until we see uh, any of these. So and by the way, sorry, let's also take stock of what else is happening in the company. So there's no second men's world title match. The Intercontinental Championship and U.S. Championship are both nothing at this nothing. point. We do have a new Intercontinental Champion, Sami Zayn. We'll talk about that on Tuesday's show. But I mean, would you be surprised if he fights a celebrity in Johnny Knoxville at WrestleMania? I wouldn't. Uh, the United States Championship, Damian Priest has, you know, he hasn't been buried, but he's been completely taken off of the pedestal that WWE had him on. There's zero challengers right now for either title. Many of your biggest stars, Drew McIntyre. Well, okay, McIntyre has Corbin waiting for him, which is not exciting. Which is is a problem. Right, which is a problem. But Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, none of these guys have opponents right now. Uh, The two tag team titles, once the Usos get past the Viking Raiders, they don't have challengers. There's no other women's tag teams in WWE. So there's no one to challenge for those titles as of right now at the pay-per-view. And that's what we're six weeks until WrestleMania. And there's nothing. There's nothing on the card. Uh, the, the last two pay-per-views, this and the Rumble, were specifically designed to get us to Charlotte Ronda and Brock Roman with, with nothing stakes. else being and, considered. And they left yeah. every and, and they they knocked, pushed everything to the side, stepped on them on the way up. Yep. You you've got you got you had you had Biggie getting eliminated from the Rumble without it being a big deal, several people without a big deal. You've got Brock squashing people in this elimination jammer match. It's it was you spent the past two pay-per-views solely trying to build Roman Brock when they don't need any of it. So with that, Chris, the final part of this show is our post-show grade for WWE Elimination Chamber. Let's go over what our fans, the getting overheads and our followers on Twitter had to say. Uh, a reminder before I do that, let's get to the pre-show poll just to Kind of remember where we're at. Pre-show, you and I gave it Bs. The listeners and followers basically gave it a B minus is what we decided. A majority voting B over C. Post-show, 5% said it was an A. 40% said it was a B. 39% said it was a C. 16% D to F. Now, it was definitely not an A. Uh, And I, I disagree that it was D to F. I mean, if you came in thinking in your head, that brought not thinking in your head that Brock Lesnar was going to win the WWE championship. And then you were angered by the booking in the main event. I can see you maybe calling it a D or possibly, but those three women's matches were really damn good. And there was nothing on the show individually, even that was in the D to F range. I, I didn't give anything lower than a C plus you gave one a C, you know, that, that was the worst match on the card, right? So I cannot get into the DF range, but they're, they're at 40% B 39% C, 16% D to F. I think that has to be 
a C plus that's average? A C, that's a, yep, that's a C plus from the. From is the it a C plus or is it a C average? Because the D to F weighs it down. It might actually uh, be a C average. I well, I, I mean, the F is kind of. I guess we. I mean, we got combined take away in the one. F. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna assume it's a. I'm gonna assume it's D and A. I think the D brings it down. To I think it's a flat C from the from the listeners. Is what I think. All right, uh, yeah, close enough. Because it's forty and thirty nine, and then there's a big majority of D over A, so it has to be lower than. A C plus. It can't, you know, it has to be, at least as far as I'm concerned. So it's a C from the listeners, which I, I, I'd i have to go back and look at what Royal Rumble was, uh, but I think it's the lowest rated from the listener show ever uh, since we started this podcast. What is your final grade, Chris? I always let you go first for WWE Elimination Chamber. I'm going to go B minus. There was, there was nothing that I absolutely hated. There were a couple things that I thought were fun. But but nothing that I was like, man, I got to go watch that again. Oh, man, this was a this was a huge moment. This was whatever. It's just like a lot of stuff kind of happened. Most of it was unoffensive. And then I'm just annoyed at the way the men's chamber match ended. And the fact that we're on Brock again as champion. Uh, frustrating. I'm going to go B minus. And even that feels a little bit nice. Yeah, I do think you're being a little bit nice. The women's matches were so damn good. It's just tough because... It's another situation where the pay-per-view was not really a sum total of the matches on the show because the three women matches bump it up. And, but, but when I look at the card and was there anything exciting that happened? Was there anything that countered our expectation or was not completely predictable? I think Chris, I mean, I'd have to go back. I think I hit a hundred percent. I think I batted a thousand on my predictions here, not because I'm great at making predictions because everything was so predictable on the show. So, Except for the Ray Miz match, <laughs> I said Ray. No, I know, but that was the only thing that we that wasn't as predictable. Sure, I guess it could have gone either way in theory. Yeah. Um. So, I looked at it and I was excited at parts. I was annoyed at parts, and I think I have to give it a C plus. I'm right. I'm with you though. It's B minus C plus. It's right on the edge of those two things. But when your main event is that predictable, when both chamber matches to combined total thirty minutes. And that's the name of your pay-per-view and the most exciting things I was most excited about going into the show. I don't really know how I could give it a, a, a B range. It, it, was, it was a passing grade. Better than average. That's how I look at it. So wait, so what's your letter grade? C plus. So you, so you said nothing on the show individually was worse than a C plus and that you, you still give the whole show a C plus? Yes, because it was not... So sometimes pay-per-views are... An average of the sum of the parts. Well, that's not the average. That's the floor. No, no, no I'm, I'm saying sometimes they are. Yeah. Sometimes they're not. This is a case where it's not. the ind- Me grading the individual matches ba- based on how I liked them or, or was entertained by them, it, this, that doesn't necessarily give you an overall impression of how good the show as a total was. We just mentioned it was a two hour and 50 minute show. There was less than, an, there was less than half an hour and 25 minutes of wrestling the two Elimination Chamber matches combined were 30 minutes. They were the two shortest matches in history. And those are the signature matches on this pay-per-view, which, by the way, is the final pay-per-view before WrestleMania. All Everything was completely predictable. There were no title changes on the card. Or sorry, sorry, there was one title change in the card, but it was the most Pretty predictable one, one. Yeah. Brock Lesnar in the main event. And it was not exciting at that. Bobby Lashley didn't even wrestle. One match didn't even happen. Like, yeah, so this is a situation where 
my enjoyment level for the show was less than the sum of the individual matches that I enjoyed. And I'm at C plus, but I'm with you though. B minus, totally acceptable. I'm not saying that your grade is wrong. Man. I'm right between the two. But I think, this was just better than average is what I would say. I'm thinking about the way we came out of the last two pay-per-views. Think about all the people that Brock Lesnar has destroyed over the last th- three weeks. And Roman Reigns over the last, over his entire run. Well, I just mean, I just mean literally over the past three weeks. Like how many people have been knocked past down? Six, past six weeks, starting with day one when you beat all those no, guys. I'm saying match. start with the, I'm saying start with the Rumble. Just oh, literally okay. just the Rumble. Got all it, the it. people that Brock uh, knocked out in the Rumble and all the people he squashed in this Elimination Chamber match. Man, that is a lot of people, a lot of really solid wrestlers getting knocked down one or two pegs, all for the purpose of giving Brock another title to go fight for a for for a second title when Brock is not somebody who needs any title. Just yep. yeah, the, the 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 taste coming out of the last two, the last three. I mean, day one was kind of a surprise; didn't really know what it meant because like, oh, Brock's on a different brand. Maybe maybe they're changing plans. But the last two, it's been very clear what they're doing and we're not looking forward to it. And they've just they've just run over a lot of guys in the past couple of weeks to do it. And that's very frustrating. Yeah, we, we talked about it earlier. They've just decimated the men's singles division across both brands. And I don't know what I don't know to what end they did it. That's the worst part about the entire thing. It's like, OK, so Lesnar wins both titles and takes the loss from Reigns or Reigns beats Lesnar, overcomes his greatest foe, and now has both championships. And who's left for him? Even if what you talked about on this show or what I talked about previously on this podcast happens, and at the end of WrestleMania, The Rock comes out and they schedule the match for WrestleMania 39, does that mean that Roman Reigns is going to hold the championship for a thousand straight days? Yeah. And, and maybe hold both? Or and, does and, he and lose then, at some then, point? You know, like who's left from the beat? Well, I mean, I mean, if we take it to that point, we're not going to get into a whole deep thing. But if he if, if he does hold it for another 365 days and fights The Rock, does The Rock win? And then The <laughs> Rock has two belts? And then like, he relinquishes the title? And, and then <laughs> yeah, and now you've had I, Roman I Reigns be champion for a thousand days only for The Rock to take them and say, eh, screw yeah. it, which you wouldn't I, do. You'd, ha- you'd put Roman over. But then Roman goes over The Rock. And then he's, by the way, if yeah. they do that and he's champion for another full year, he's beaten everyone already. Like, okay, maybe yeah. Cody Rhodes joins. Maybe they call someone up, Braun Breaker from NXT or something happens. Like, okay, I guess there are Drew McIntyre. He's already beaten him, but sure, he could be a real challenger for the title. He hasn't beaten him in a title match. Yeah. So there's options out there, but how do you do that for 12 months? And then if he right. keeps the title the entire time and retains it, then what the hell do you do? Riddle? I mean, Riddle, I guess, exists. Randy Orton's probably out there. There's some people they can pull, but like the booking just, it's it's mind boggling at this point. This is the problem with running roughshod over everybody is that you're going to have to do a lot of work to make us believe that somebody else can do it. Now, you know, I could see, we could plan Roman Rock for the next WrestleMania and maybe, but maybe Roman drops it at SummerSlam to a Drew McIntyre and we can still do Roman rock, you know, fighting for the family. You don't need the titles for that. So, you know, he doesn't have to hold it, but yeah, I don't want Brock to be the champion of both belts coming out of mania. Like I just, I don't, I don't want, want either of them to, to have right. both championships coming right. out of WrestleMania. That's, that's the problem. And this is, this is the road that they specifically took us on 
and threw a lot of people overboard to make it happen. Could so. you could you imagine? Like, just we'll get we'll get out of here on this, okay? Could you imagine? And I mentioned this earlier: Roman Reigns beating Brock Lesnar, having both titles. He has the Universal Championship, WWE Championship, and then Monday on Raw he comes out and he has both titles. And either he says, "Well, I, you know, I don't want to take everything, you know, so here, here you know, I'll drop one." Or Adam Pierce coming out and say, Roman, you have to drop one of the titles. You can't have one champion on both brands, blah, blah, blah. And then he just gives up the WWE Championship. The WWE Championship. The title in professional wrestling. Yeah, I know some of you love the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, which has been unified and is, by the way, not the same title. And I know some of you back in the day loved the World Heavyweight Championship, the big gold belt. But in 2022, the championship in wrestling, as far as I'm concerned, is the WWE Championship. I don't care about that the Universal exists. It has the lineage. It has all those stars, the Bruno San Martinos and the Hulk Hogan's and the Andre the Giants, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock. All of those people held the WWE Championship. And could you imagine one of those guys just being like, eh, I'll just drop hey, the WWE title. And it, it, It's already changed hands three times in 40 days of 2022. It's unbelievable. And there's a potential for a fourth at Mania. And if someone drops it, a fifth. So, yeah. I think right, right. Five times before May. Yeah. I, I, they they did not. They, this process to get to champion versus champion did not help the WWE title. It diminished it a bit. It diminished the product. It diminished the talent on the roster. It didn't make the match as strong as they think it did. Um, and look, again, I do believe that this was, not, whether title versus title was the plan or not, the booking that we have seen since January 1st was not the plan, okay? Because at day one, Brock Lesnar was not going to win the WWE Championship. So if it happened another way, maybe it still would have happened. But I, I think we legitimately, WWE's plan, as I mentioned, going into Chamber, I think Rollins was going to win the title there or Lashley would have retained it. And we would have had two separate title matches at WrestleMania. I believe that was the plan. But given everything that happened, them deciding to put the title on Lesnar because they wanted a big finish to this pay-per-view that they had really strongly promoted as mm -hmm. it was a big pay-per-view. The card was sick. It was stacked. Because they wanted that moment, they cannibalized their booking. Brock and Paul Heyman reportedly have both been pushing for title versus title at WrestleMania, which I stunningly cannot believe that Heyman's been pushing for it, knowing what that would do to the other half of the roster. Being a guy yeah. who was the executive director of Raw, and knows what it's like when the raw product is treated as the B product. It stuns me if that report is true, which I don't know that it is, but it is the report that both of them pushed for it, that WWE went along this path. And now we have champion versus champion on night two of WrestleMania. And night one, it just sits there without a men's world championship match, at least as of today. We do have Raw on Monday, Brock Lesnar. It's been uh, released by WWE, will be on Raw Monday. Presumably Roman Reigns will not be. Maybe he has a raw title defense. Maybe he gets a challenger for night one of the pay-per-view. A million different things could happen. I'm very curious to see how it all unfolds. And honestly, it does kind of create for me, Chris, interest in television. I am pretty curious to tune into Raw and SmackDown this week and see, number one, what the hell they do with Reigns and Lesnar, but also what programs do they start? Because the rest of the card is completely barren at this point and your three main event matches are set. So they have to figure out booking for the three title matches that they have over six weeks now, leading into WrestleMania, they have to figure out how to tell stories for those three matches that are completely done. And now they have to build the entire rest of the card because there's nothing there's else set. There's a lot of work to be done. It's crazy. We'll I mean, think about it. If there's if there's 14 total matches at WrestleMania, 11 of them are not set yet. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely crazy.
Okay. Uh, any final words departing here on Elimination Chamber before we uh, close it up? Uh, the Saudi shows are pretty gross, and I still hate that WWE does them. Also, the yes, combined money WWE has made from, I think, five or six Saudi shows is more ticket sale or tickets or whatever is more than they've made from all WrestleManias combined, according to uh, WrestleNomics, who does a lot of that stuff. And that is why they do them, despite yep. protests from fans, despite a ton of. Uh, I mean, I was trying to say, what's the opposite of goodwill? Badwill. Um, <laughs> a, a lot of a lot of criticism uh, across the board from media, uh, us included, critics um, and fans. They continue to do them because they're getting paid. They're also on a contract, to be fair. So talk, they can yes. just stop. Um, so yeah, uh, hate these shows. Hate the blood, money in the sands. Crown Jewel. At least it was an entertaining A level pay per view. This one was not, and that makes it even worse. I mean, it's already bad. There's really not a way to make it worse. But not even putting on a good show leaves an even more sour taste in your mouth at the end of the day. And that's just really unfortunate. So uh, a reminder of what's coming up here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast on Tuesday. We will be back with our WWE episode. We have two big matches that happened on SmackDown that we will talk about along with everything else that happens on Raw. Also on Thursday, we will be back to talk all things AEW as it builds towards Revolution and NXT. We also got the debut of NXT Level Up, the new name for 205 Live. I watched it, unfortunately. We will talk about that on Thursday. The road to WrestleMania is officially off and running. From now all the way to the big show, you should expect special episodes of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast, interviews. Uh, Of course, we'll have our ultimate preview right as we get closer to WrestleMania. And of course, we will have instant analysis both nights, Saturday night and Sunday night of WrestleMania. At least that's my plan. Right now, I do not believe I have any other engagements that weekend. I believe it's on a separate weekend for once, which is really exciting. Uh, So that's it for today. A reminder before we go at the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. So please head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a five-star rating for this show on Apple. Leave a review. Let people know how much you love the instant analysis episodes, how special they are. Do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. And please join us on Tuesday for our next episode. For Vintage Chris Vanini, this is the Silver King Adam Silverstein, leaving you with just three final words. Bye for now.